This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. We don't talk about Bruno, no, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. But it was my wedding day. It was our wedding day. We were getting ready and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. cloud in the sky. All right. Cass has made her way into the control room. You're crazy for Disney, right? Like, that's your whole thing. I mean, like, I'm probably going to Disneyland for my honeymoon, so you could say that I love Disney. <laughs> uh, and, and and that includes their, their cartoon movies. You love the cartoon movies. Well, yeah, it's nostalgia. I grew up with them. Oh, sure, so did I, but I mean, I, I moved past it at some point, Cass. Why can't things that brought me joy as a child still bring me joy? I, I like other movies now, too. It's just... Sometimes you're just like, I need a comfort movie. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. Have you seen Encanto? I have. Okay, so walk me. I haven't seen it. So walk me through the plot. What's it about? I only saw it once, to be honest. It didn't hit for me like it did for everybody else. Sarah's the expert on Encanto. Okay, so Sarah, you... I can't believe that she didn't like this movie. I think it's because by the time I watched it, everybody had hyped it up for me. I'd never heard of it before. So I watched it. I was like, like, it's good. (laughs) But it wasn't like the the most incredible Disney movie I've ever seen in my life. Like it was for everybody else. No, but it's just been the best one for, for a long time. That's fair. Okay, like so Sarah, Luca. you're gonna have to give me give me give me the break, breakdown of the plot of Encanto. What happens here? Okay, so essentially she's like a little girl in a magical family. Yep. But she doesn't get she didn't get powers. Okay. But now this house and magical family is falling apart. Yes. And she has to try and fix it. Essentially. And they move. What do you mean they move? Do they move? No. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? No. No, it ends with a spoiler alert, but it, it ends with like she fixes the family because they're all just so stressed out and they're fighting with each other and the grandmother is putting so much pressure on them that to be perfect that they can't handle it. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Now, now, okay. This makes sense because that, that's, that's what I was told. Okay. Uh, now let's, now let's find out maybe, maybe Sarah missed some of the, the deeper meanings of this movie. I don't know. We're going to chat now with Miriam Georges, who is a postdoctoral fellow at the Department of Political Studies. And Mama Whippowin, if I said that right, Indigenous Governance and Community-Based Research Space at the University of Manitoba. Miriam, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I think this is interesting, and I love the piece that you put together on this. Now, did, did our producer, Sarah, have it right? Does that, is that a fairly decent breakdown of the plot? A family with magical powers, the young girl doesn't get magical powers, but she sort of has to try and fix everything. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. Did they move though? Isn't isn't there some relocation in this movie too? Uh, no, there okay. is, from my perspective, healing and the house gets fixed. <laughs> now you bring a very unique perspective to this analysis, right? You're originally from Iraq, and a lot of the the themes in this film sort of struck a chord with you and seem fairly familiar, right? Absolutely. Yeah, um, I'm not trained in trauma. Um, my area of uh, research is displacement and violent dispossession uh, through colonial violence. But I bring firsthand experience, as you just said. I'm a Syrian. Uh, I'm indigenous to Iraq. So I was displaced. I lived as a refugee. I, re- I resettled here in Canada. 
Uh, I've been very active in the diaspora, the Italian community, and sort of helped me see kind of and think through patterns that I see in uh, uh, migrants. And then I worked with refugees from uh, the Iraq invasion in 2003 in Ontario before doing my PhD in Alberta. So this movie really resonated with my life and with ways that my lived experiences actually really inform a lot of my scholarship. Okay. Now, this is interesting to me. Sarah, the things that she's talking about, these kinds of themes around immigration and trauma and things like that, did any of that hit your radar as you were watching the movie? Yeah, for sure. Oh, really? Okay. Because the family, like the grandmother and the grandfather were displaced from their home because there was some kind of attack. Gotcha. Okay. So there was, there was, there was migration involved here. Cass, did you, did you pick up on these themes as you were watching the movie or is this news to you? It was news to me. Okay. Yeah, see, that's the thing. And I think it's, it depends on your perspective. So, so Miriam, when you watch this, what resonated with you? What did you see that sort of made you go, oh, wait a minute. I recognize exactly what's going on here. Well, I think for me, um, it was really easy to pick out that in a movie such as this, that people might think Abuela is the, the matriarch figure, yep. is, you know, the villain. In the absence of what they saw, there was no villain. So they thought, you know, Abuela's kind of mean. She puts a lot of pressure on everyone in the family. And so she could very easily be the villain. But I really saw her not as a villain. I saw her as someone who had... Um, you know, experienced uh, trauma from displacement. I think displacement is trauma from my own lived experience. And I could see so many of my family members in these characters. That's what resonated with me. I think we need to place her in that context of trauma to understand uh, why she was behaving. Right. For example, people thought she was very mean to Mirabel, which is the protagonist who doesn't get magical powers in the family. But I think when you understand it from a trauma-informed lens in this movie, you see that Abuela sees these magical powers as survival. They helped her relocate and, you know, rebuild this community. And so she sees them as survival. And when Mirabel doesn't get a power, she thinks, oh, no, is, is our survival in jeopardy here? Are we not going to be able to survive? What's coming next? Why are, why are these gifts stopping? Because you have to remember they were using these gifts to, you know, build this community. She mm-hmm. wasn't a power-hungry villain. She was, you know, surviving. And I think she was stuck in that survival mode, as so many migrants are, because they never get the help that they need from this trauma they suffered. So for her, it's very scary to hear that this magical gift isn't in the young girl, but the young girl proving that maybe you don't need the magical gift in the new environment is sort of moving beyond that... I don't know what you want to call it, survival mode into the new reality? Or am I being overly simplistic here? No, I think think that's exactly it. I think Mirabelle shows us throughout the entire movie that uh, she does have a gift. It just didn't come from that, you know, that idea that we need these superpowers or these gifts. What her gift was is being able to move the family, to heal the family from, um, you know, this, survival mode that they were kind of they were all in and she could do that because she hadn't suffered the trauma her abuela had right she was removed from that um and so she could do that kind of healing work and also you know uh she didn't get that pressure of a gift of having to live up to this gift you know because i think the migrant experience is so much so that you leave everything behind it's uh you leave everyone you know behind everything you know behind and you really have to make all of that sacrifice worthwhile. So there's this, you know, there's this desire to, you know, achieve perfection, make it all worthwhile, be have a great life here. But she didn't, and we see that in kind of in all their 
powers, right? So they're all trying to live up to this pressure of being perfect uh, to maintain their survival. But I think Mirabel really shows that, you know, um, I think she shows that we can heal from this by first realizing that we um, can move beyond survival mode, that we need help to process this trauma, um, you know, and we need to acknowledge this historical uh, intergenerational trauma and we need to intervene here so that this trauma and this pain doesn't keep getting passed down. And I think Mirabeau can do that, whereas Abuela couldn't because she hadn't processed her trauma. And obviously those parallels, as somebody who's lived that you know, experience, not in obviously cartoon form, but in real life. And there's so many immigrant families that will recognize that this is the situation that we went through. And it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating parallel. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why it meant so much to so many people. There is millions of refugees and displaced people. And I think watching this movie, they didn't need to see Disney draw you know, a villain, a cartoon villain, because they have, they already know that villain, right? right? It is that violence, that colonialism, that imperialism that dispossesses them from their home, you know? And so they find themselves in these new situations and they're trying to deal with all of this pain and this hurt that keeps getting passed down if there's no intervention there, right, to heal from this. And so I think that's why it resonated with so many people who had already lived this experience and just kind of thought represented in film where they normally don't. Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting perspective. And uh, thank you so much for your time and uh, chatting with us about it. Thank you so much for having me. It was thank really great. You. Yeah, you bet. That's Miriam uh, Georges.